You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode number 56 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Squirrel Tap. Squirrel Tap is a working class punk band hailing from Southwest Wyoming, made up of three friends who don't take things too seriously and just want to have a good time. Squirrel Tap's debut album, Cover Your Nuts, was released on May 17th and is available digitally on Apple Music and Spotify. You can check the band out on Facebook and Instagram at Squirrel Tap Band. Now here it is, their new single, Vegas Days.
from 88 Fingers Louie, and you are listening to That One Time on Tour. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. This is Chris Swinney. As always, I am your host for that one time on tour. If this is your first time joining us, this is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry. And sometimes I just talk to people that I want to talk to that aren't in the entertainment industry at all. So I want to give out a huge thanks to everybody that checked out last week's episode with my good friend and my tattoo artist, Jacob Harrison. He owns Permanence Tattoo Gallery over in Anderson, Indiana. I want you guys to go check that out if you are local here in central Indiana. I had a wonderful time with Jacob, and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. It was a little bit different, and I hope that the tattoo machine during the conversation didn't freak you guys out too much. So things going on with me, I just got back from a little road trip. I went down to Birmingham, Alabama to see my in-laws. We did a lot of swimming. Uh, My son Silas caught his first fish. We did all kinds of good stuff, but it's nice to be back in Indiana where it's not quite as hot. We're supposed to only be in like the low 80s this week, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, a a lot of cool stuff this week if you are a music fan. I'm a huge Alexis on Fire fan. They released a brand new single called Complicit. I want you guys to go check it out. It's on YouTube, Spotify, it's everywhere. So go check out the new Alexis on Fire called Complicit and you will really like it. Speaking of Alexis on Fire, Dallas Green, their melodic singer dude, uh, he has City and Color and they just put out a brand new single as well called Astronaut. It's the polar opposite of the new Alexis on Fire, but it's so good. You guys need to check out Astronaut by City and Color. All of the normal streaming sites, you can check it out. Trying to get some of the guys from Alexis on Fire to uh, be on the show in the future. So, you know, stay tuned for that. I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. So this is the point in the show where I have to tell you guys about my sponsors. We only have two sponsors this week other than Squirrel Tap, the really cool band we played at the beginning of the show. Make sure you check out their record, Cover Your Nuts. 
it's a it's a really cool title. I think you guys are really gonna really gonna like it. So check those guys out. They are out of Wyoming for our first band from Wyoming. So thank you very much, Squirrel Tap, for sponsoring this episode. You're helping this podcast keep going. And uh, two other companies that are helping this podcast continue to grow and do better is Permanence Tattoo Gallery. I've already told you about it. Jacob was on the show last week. So if you guys are in East Central Indiana, go to Anderson, Indiana, downtown Anderson at 1007 Meridian Street and get tattooed by Jacob, man. They will hook you up. Just tell them that I sent you over there and he will... He'll do it upright. Uh, he specializes more in uh, like American traditional, but they have artists that do anything you want. So head on over to Permanence Tattoo Gallery. Also back as a sponsor, we have Artist Flags. They make backdrops for bands when they're on tour. You know, like you've seen the huge backdrops that bands have, the little scrims on the side of the stage. They make everything that you need. Their prices are amazing. So hit up Cody over at Artist Flags. Just go to artistflags.com. They're also on all the social medias at Artist Flags. Tell them I sent you. Maybe they'll hook you up. They're an awesome company and you need to support them. Speaking of support, if you don't have a band and you don't have a company and you still want to support this podcast because it does cost money to keep this podcast going and uh, I, it's so nice when people get involved at the Patreon level. It's $5 a month. You get all kinds of exclusive content. So if you're interested in that, head on over to patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast and check it out. There's, there's exclusive episodes. There's all kinds of cool stuff over there. We have 10 patrons right now. So that's something <laughs> we're getting up there. I think some of the podcasts on there have like 50,000 patrons. So we're going to get there one day, but if you'd like to get involved, head on over to Patreon and check it out. If you don't want to do that, this is always going to be a free podcast and you know, that just helps us out. But if you don't want to do that, you can just subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts that really, really helps us out and helps us gain visibility. This podcast has grown exponentially in the last few months and I just, I just wanted to keep going and keep going. There's so many people out there that like music and especially some of the music that we cover. And I just want to get this in front of them because I think they'll really enjoy it. So if you don't want to get involved at Patreon, just head on over to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, rate and review, or just tell a friend, share us on Facebook, you know, whatever. Speaking of Facebook, this is where I just keep, you know, segueing into stuff. Speaking of Facebook and all the other socials, we're at TOTOT Podcast. So make sure to follow us on there. I hang out mostly on Instagram. So uh, check us out over at all the socials and help us grow there as well. If you are in a band and you are looking for some cheap promotion or you have a company that makes really cool stuff that you think that I would like and that my listeners would like, send me an email, tototpodcast at gmail.com and we'll work it out, man. I work with all budgets. I just want to keep the lights on. So hit me up and we will figure it out. Now is the time in the intro where we do the top five list. Yes, we are doing a top five list this week. We didn't do one last week because I was busy. I was getting ready to head out of town. But now we are doing one and it comes from a patron. That's one other good thing too. If you become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast, you get priority stuff like your top five list will be read first. Everything is a priority for the patrons. So uh, this top five list comes from David Wilkins over in Texas. David was like our first or second patron. He's been on the train for a while. So thank you very much, David, for the support. 
David's top five list is top five underrated punk bands. So let's see what he's got going right here. At number five, David has Happy Happy. He says his lyrics are as good as any, are as good or better as anyone else's. The Beatles, Bob Dylan, Fat Mike, Chris Hanna, none compare. Uh, I'm not familiar with Happy Happy. I do need to check them out. And with your, you know, glowing recommendation, I definitely need to check them out. I'm not really a lyric guy. Uh, I'm more of like a riff guy, a music guy, but good lyrics do make a big difference. So I'm going to check out Happy Happy. Number four, David has the Vandals. I'm a big Vandals fan. And he says, I get that they are big, but they are so, they should be so much bigger. They should be headlining arenas. I kind of agree with that. I mean, I just think they write really good, concise, like pop punk songs, I guess just pop songs. And the lyrics are really funny and catchy. And I mean, Josh Freeze is their drummer and that dude is unreal. So uh, I think he's played on like every session recording ever. He did like Kelly Clarkson and NSYNC and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. That's not why they should be big. It's just cool when you have a drummer that's that that, that good, you know. But uh, yeah, the Vandals, great choice, man. I think they should be a lot bigger than they are. Number three, he has River Phoenix, or of course, Phoenix TX is what they changed their name to. Uh, they're be- they're a better version of Blink-182, is what David says. Uh, I've got a soft spot for Blink, but Phoenix TX is a great band. I remember when they had their, you know, their big hit single. I can't even remember what the name of it is now. But uh, they, yeah, man, they kick ass, and I've seen them live a few times. They're, they're a great band, so nice choice there. Number two, he has Days in Days. That's D-A-Y-S, the number, the number in, the letter in, and then D-A-Z-E, Days in Days. He says they are growing like crazy, but the fact that they aren't bigger really shocks him. So, uh, yeah, I don't know anything about that band, but now I'm going to check them out, and you guys should as well. Days in Days. Number one on David's list, he has Jughead's Revenge. By far the best punk band behind Propaganda, he has in parentheses, to come out of the 90s California punk wave, but that law, but that lawsuit destroyed them in their prime. Uh, yeah, I love Jughead's Revenge. I've got a buddy of mine that's actually playing bass for him now, and uh, th- he's going to be on the show soon as well. But uh, Jughead's Revenge is great. I think they should be a lot bigger. So you guys, if you don't know anything about Jughead's Revenge, you need to go check them out. I think you really love them. So David... Thank you so much, not only for the top five list, but thank you for being a patron for as long as you have. Uh, You kind of got the party started, and um, man, you really make a difference for this podcast, so thank you very much. And if anybody else wants to become a patron, just you know, hit David up and ask him how cool it is. (laughs) But uh, thank you, David, for the top five list. Now, I'm going to give you my top five list. I'm not going to do it in any particular order because it was hard for me to order these out, but uh, these are punk bands that I think don't get enough credit or they they get overlooked quite a bit or they should be bigger than they are. They're underrated punk bands. So uh, just in no particular order, I'm going to say Inspection 12. Great, great kind of poppy technical, then some indie stuff too. Band out of Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, I believe. Uh, I think uh, Inspection 12, they've been around forever. And uh, if you want to really get into them with the song that's kind of the entrance song, you should check out their song, Red Letter Days. It's a great song, and you won't be sorry. They're a great band, so check them out. And they only have like a 1,000 people that like them on Facebook. They should have like 50,000 people. So check out Inspection 12. 
Next, I have an old fat records band that uh, I actually checked out and they're still doing stuff. Uh, Screw 32. They're a band that I got into back in the late nineties, maybe mid nineties. They put a, put an album out under the influence is either under the influence or under the influence of bad people. I can't remember what it was called, but it was on fat records and it was awesome. And, uh, Screw 32, they're from the East Bay up in Northern California, and you need to check them out. I think they're still they're still playing, and they never got you know the accolades that some of the other fat bands got, and I thought they totally deserved it. So check out Screw 32. Next up, I'm going to say Paper Arms. Paper Arms is a an amazing band out of out of Australia, and uh, I've talked to them a couple times about maybe being on the show. They're actually kind of broken up. They got back together, then they got broke up and they got back together and then they played a reunion show and blah, 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 blah. I don't know what they're doing now, but they're so good. They put out two records that just are killer, man. Anything you get from them, they're amazing. They're on Spotify and everything. So check out paper arms. They're from Australia and I love them and hopefully they're going to be on the show soon, but you guys won't be sorry. It's kind of a hot water music kind of vibe mixed with some other stuff. I, I don't even know. It's just, it's, it's a great, great band and they, they write really, really killer songs. Speaking of a hot water music type of vibe, my next band is hot water music. And you're saying, oh, they're huge. They're huge. Yeah, they're a big band, but they should be way bigger. I mean, they've they've been killing it, man. I mean, everything that they've ever put out, I'm a fan of. And they just they should be a bigger band. I don't know why they're not a bigger band. This new record they put out, it even kicks ass. I mean... Hot water music is amazing, and I can't wait to get my hot water music tattoo. And I'll show you guys when I get it. I'll post it on social media. But uh, hot water music is on the, on my list. And like I said, this isn't in any particular order. But uh, my last band I'm going to say is Bracket, another Fat Records band. They have a new record coming out in August on Fat Records. It's their ninth full length album. Bracket is so great with all the weird harmonies that they do, and just it's sort of progressive, but in like a poppy punk kind of way. And like, you know, their influences, they say their influences are like the Beatles and the Beach Boys and no effects and all kinds of other stuff. And I just, their live in a dive record is amazing. I think we've talked about it on the show before. So yeah, if you guys don't know who Bracket is, you need to go check them out. Like I went to their Facebook and they have like 3000 people that like them. They should have like a million people. Bracket, you know, if it's kind of like people say, you know, I don't know if you've seen Filmage, the documentary on the descendants, but you know, like Dave Grohl and the guys from Blink-182 are like, you know, if they would have released Milo Goes to College in the 90s, they'd all be living in mansions. It's the same kind of way with Bracket. I don't know why it didn't ever catch on. Like, you know, you've heard people like My Carrera from MXPX and all these people say stuff on videos and interviews about how great Bracket is. But you ask your, you know, normal punk fan and they don't know who Bracket is. They're an amazing band and you got to check them out. So that is my top five list in no particular order. Inspection 12, Screw 32, Paper Arms, Hot Water Music, and Bracket. So once again, thank you, David Wilkins from Texas, for sending in your top five underrated punk bands. We do this every week on the show. If you guys have a top five list, you can send it to me anywhere you want. All the socials at TOTOT Podcast, or you can hit me up, TOTOT Podcast at gmail.com. But uh, I have talked a lot. This is a really long intro, and I'm going to get into this week's episode. I got to sit down with my buddy, Mr. Dennis Buckley of the band 88 Fingers Louie. Now, 88 Fingers Louie is a huge band for me. I got into them probably in 1997, 1998. 
And I just, I love them. I, I can't say anything else about it. Dan, Mr. Precision, Vakalinski, their guitarist, recorded two of my first band's records at his studio, The Bomb Shelter. And I don't know, they've just, they've been an important band to me for a very long time. And getting the chance to talk to Dennis about everything, because Dan's been on the show before, but to get Dennis's perspective, which is a little bit different, you know, Dennis had a son as soon as the band kind of got going and got signed and, and just that perspective of how hard it is to keep a band going when you have a child and you're a new father. And, you know, I, I did all my kids and stuff after I was out of my band, but that whole perspective of Dennis is a lot different than Dan's perspective. And I really enjoyed having Dennis on the show because I got to kind of, kind of get the full circle thing of how the band went and how it broke up and got back together and broke up again and got back together and uh, the great thing about 88 Fingers Louie is that they are a band again. They have reformed, and they've been a band now longer than any other era of the band. They have a great new record that came out last year called Thank You For Being A Friend. Uh, at the end of the show, I'm going to play some songs off of that record. But you guys have to sit back and relax and enjoy my conversation with Mr. Dennis Buckley from 88 Fingers Louie. It's a good one, and you're going to love it. So I will talk to you guys at the end of the episode, like always. Here's my conversation with Dennis. Let's go. And I'm on the line with Mr. Dennis Buckley from 88 Fingers Louie. How are you today, Dennis? Hey, Chris. Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm glad we could fit this in. I know you've got your tickets to the Avengers tonight, so uh, I take it you're a big you're a big fan of that, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a, a full-on nerd for all the comic book shit. Are you uh, into Game of Thrones? Uh, much to my girlfriend's uh, dismay, not yet. I uh, I tried a few years ago and kind of kind of fell off with it, but but uh, she's she's making the big push to <laughs> to watch it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rev it back up soon. I think. I mean, it's it's pretty good. I I got into it on like the second season, and I had to go back. But I'm my wife and I are addicted to it, so it's on tonight. I'm pretty excited for that. Oh yeah, she's uh. She's she's like as long as we're back from the from the theater before Game of Thrones, we're, we're good to go. So. Awesome, man. So uh, I've got you on the show today. I want to let you know, you know, I'm I've known Dan for a really long time. You and I have talked over the internet. I think we've met a couple of times in person. But Eighty Eight yeah. Fingers Louie is a huge band for me growing up. I'm not that much younger than you, but I got into you guys fairly early, like on the first record. I have an eighty eight. Awesome. Ta- I have an eighty eight tattoo on my leg. Like so, it's it's a it's, oh, a, shit. it's a big honor to have you on the show today, man. Wow, man. Thank you very much. You you have uh, one more 88 tattoo than I do. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I used to, when my old band, Chronic Chaos, my first band, we recorded two full lengths at Dan's studio. And oh, yeah. he, he had his little 88, like eight ball. And I had my big, yeah. you know, uh, like gangster guy from back on the streets on my leg. And he's like, man, your tattoo's way better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Did he tell you the story behind that tattoo? No, he didn't tell me the story behind that. Well, uh, could you elaborate well, they'll, they'll, a little bit? <laughs> Little insider uh, baseball here. Uh, so we, the first time we went on tour, I guess that or in Europe, that would have been like the start of '96, end of end of '95, start of '96, sometime around there. And um, I don't know if we had started the tour yet or if we had gotten to. Basically, we had a day off in Belgium before we had played a show. Okay. And while we were in Belgium, Dan, Joe, and Glenn, who was drumming for us at the time uh said oh shit we, let's check out this tattoo and piercing place and uh the, the 
I think it might have been like maybe the promoter of the show also worked there. So they 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 basically got hooked up with tattoos. I have I have no tattoos on my body whatsoever. Okay. Um but when they said, Oh, we should get ADA tattoos, the first thing I thought of was that's kind of a curse. If you put your own band, that's yeah. like wearing your own band t shirt. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, that's there's just some 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 things you don't do. So in my head I'm like, maybe I'll get like my eyebrow pierced, but I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna get a tattoo because uh, you know, you're, you're putting a curse on the band. Of course, you know, everybody laughed it off or whatever. Four months later, we broke up for the first time. I'm like, yep, <laughs> those goddamn tattoos did it. Yeah. I mean, cause when you get like your significant other's name or whatever, it always ends in disaster. Like I have my children's names on me. I have yeah. a, a dog that I loved my whole life that passed away. I have my dog's name oh, on wow. me, but I don't have my wife's name on me cause I want to stay married. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you don't have a Johnny Depp situation where you've got a, change it from Winona forever to Wino forever. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so I, w- I want to go pretty far back. Um, I know okay. you, you were just recently on a buddy of mine's podcast. Uh, uh, the What was it? This was the scene. I just listened to that yeah. the other day. It was really, really cool. Yeah, Mike's a great guy. So we might we might touch on some some of the similar places, but I'm, I'm very interested in you know, how you got into music when you were younger. Like I said, you're a little bit older than me, not, not very much older than me. So what was the, what was your entrance into music and and it being a thing that you wanted to pursue? Um, probably, uh, listening to a lot of my dad's, uh, cassettes and eight tracks. I'm, I'm from the gen, the the next generation where eight tracks were actually still a, still a relatively common thing, at least in the, in the, you know, early to mid seventies. Um, so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of hand-me-downs, not so much from my dad, but you know, other, other family members. And, you know, they always went into dad's car stereo first or his, you know, stereo system. So, uh, a lot of, a lot of seventies music. And then, um, my brother and I, um, shared a room in the early eighties and we, um, started listening like crazy to this, uh, I think it was called the lost Beatles tapes. It was a radio program that ran for, I don't know, three months, something like that, maybe, maybe less, but we were so fascinated by the Beatles. Um, just, you know, have, having, having heard, you know, the white album and let it be and, and, and all that from, from my dad, but then taking it a step further and being like, Oh wow. Okay. This is this Beatles saying this song and this Beatle, you know, did this one and this, what this, what, you know, this is what this song was about. And I'm, you know, I'm a year and some change older than my brother. So I'm probably eight, my brother's seven. And we're like totally just sponging up all this Beatles, uh, Beatles stuff. Do you remember uh, what it was about those songs? Like it, was it the melody or like, or did you just, it was all encompassing. Oh, it was fully, fully the melody. When I heard, when I heard yesterday by the Beatles, I don't want to say I broke down, but it was one of those things where like, I can remember even being a, as a kid and hairy or having my, um, the hairs in the back of my neck stand up like, fuck. Yeah. This song is, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. And then, uh, it's funny. I grow, growing up before, you know, when, when, when girls still had cooties, Paul McCartney was my favorite, uh, <laughs> my favorite Beatle. And then, you know, those, 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 those first couple breakups in, you know, high school or you're like, Oh, girls are the devil. And I'm like, John Lennon, you, you, <laughs> you're speaking my language right now. So oh, it was, yeah. uh, definitely melody at first lyrics, um, a little bit later on, but Beatles are definitely the number one, uh, uh, reason that I got into music. And I, and I realized between that and, 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 and kiss a little bit later, 
um, I realized that, you know, I, I wasn't going to be able to rifle off, you know, baseball stats or football stats to my friends. I, yeah. I wanted to say, Hey, you know, love guns, a great record. Let's talk about this song or, you know, let's talk about, you know, Paul McCartney's crappy, you know, 19, 1987 album or something like that. I, I, I realized pretty early on, I was not going to be the, uh, in my mind, I guess the typical, typical kid with following sports and whatever. So did your love of the Beatles from that young age, that, did that influence when you guys covered help in the future? Yes. Yes. So, so, and, and, and that is completely my blame. I, I take full responsibility for that fucking nightmare of a cover, but uh, I, think, I think it's pretty awesome, man. <laughs> thank you. Well, you know what? It, it also helped that, you know, recording with mass, he was a huge Beatles fan. And that's one of the things that, 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 um, I bonded with, with mass over really quickly was a mutual love of the Beatles. And he's like, you know what would sound good over here? Um, would be like, Oh, if you do look at a little, little higher harmony, you know, like the Beatles do it. And in my head, I'm like, yes, I'm going to turn 88 into the Beatles. This is going to be fucking great. And, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, uh, so 88 formed in 1993. Can you kind of take me through how you guys got together and how the band started? Yeah. Um, I had, um, just met Joe, uh, toward the tail end of 92. Um, it might've even been new year's Eve of 92 going into 93 because, um, a bunch of us were all, were all gathered at, um, uh, one of the guys from the Bowie Wills had, a, had, th- had thrown a party and I had just met these guys, uh, through a friend of mine in college that was, um, was, was friendly with those guys. Um, and, uh, shortly after, yeah, so there was, this would have been like right at the start of 93. Um, you know, after doing some record shopping, uh, Joe said, Oh, Eric's going to come and, um, try out singing for, uh, the band I have going with my, my friend, Dan, I'm like, Oh, cool. And, uh, then I found out that they were going to be rehearsing probably 10 minutes from where I was living at the time. And I, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll swing by and, uh, show some support. And, uh, a couple of the went with us too. And, you know, we, we knew it was going to be like kind of, kind of a stop off to watch or try out. And then we we're going to go get, you know, uh, Cokes at Denny's or something like that. Or, yeah. um, you know, Typical, typical, you know, 19, 20 year old stuff. Uh, and, uh, anyway, at the audition, um, Eric kind of, you know, uh, kind of rushed his way through stuff and you you could tell he wasn't really comfortable doing, doing stuff. And so everybody was kind of like, oh, well, we, you know, we gave it a shot. And then, uh, just when I thought everybody was going to stand up and, you know, walk upstairs out of, out of, you know, out of dance house, um, uh, one of the bull wheels guys, I want to say it was Daryl could have been Bob, their old bass player, but one of them guys said, well, Buckley, you're here. You should, you should try it out. And I had no, I knew I liked singing, but yeah. I had no, no delusions of ever joining a band because I, I, I grew up wanting to be a, a firefighter and that was my, my, my chosen path. But, uh, yeah, Daryl, whoever said, you know, give it a shot. We've heard you sing dag nasty in the car or whatever. And, were they doing uh, covers? Was like the audition, like with cover songs? Yeah, it was all covers. Like, um, uh, I remember I did, it's funny that I could actually still remember this. I did, uh, uh, My Right by Screeching Weasel, and I did Through My Fingers by Peg Boy, 
were the two. Maybe maybe another one that I'm forgetting, but I know definitely those two songs. I'm, I was um, always kind of like like blown away by the scene in Chicago. So like, were you already into punk rock because you guys were actually doing like Chicago punk bands? I think that's really cool. Oh yeah, I mean, I got into um, I got into Chicago punk rock probably around um, early part of '88. Um, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> but that, that was that was more on the bigger scale. That was like your big naked ray gun shows, yeah. and, and screeching weasel, and you know, to some extent, ministry because um, I was super into ministry at the time as well. And then it wasn't until, honestly, I don't think it was until probably the time I met uh, Joe and, and and Dan and the Bowles guys that I was going to the smaller club shows, yeah, um, and really kind of figuring out, oh, there's a there's a significant local scene here. Not everybody is, you know, playing to 500 seat places or playing in basements and garages. And, um, do you remember the first time you went to the fireside bowl? Oh yeah, we played, we, I think we played the first fireside show. Okay. Cause my old, was, my old band, that band I said that I was in the long time ago, mm-hmm. chronic chaos. Like we, uh, we played up there a bunch with a bunch of different Chicago bands, like coming, living close to Indianapolis. It was just like the, the first place yeah. you go, you know, you go there or oh, Louisville sure. or, or wherever, but it, Chicago was such a big deal for us living where we lived. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really kind of, kind of crazy how it happened. Um, and if I'm, if I, if we didn't play the first fireside show, we, 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 we definitely played the first one of the first, probably three, but it was a benefit show bunch of Chicago bands all got together to play this benefit show because we were going to open up a record store to rival the, um, the one that's, uh, that was right next to the Metro in Chicago. Okay. Um, it's long since gone. It was a place called the clubhouse, but these guys want to do like a hundred percent DIY type of thing. Um, kind of modeled after the dummy room, but not, not, not quite the dummy room. And I know it was us. I know it was apocalypse. Hoboken. I, pretty sure either the bowels or, or, or oblivion or both played i remember i was sick as a dog and i almost didn't want to do the show but i we we, we played and there's um if anybody still has the um 88 fingers uh tote and 40s and fucking shit up 10 inch i have it. the <laughs> a lot of the photos in there from that first fireside show and the ones where i'm looking especially pale it was because i was probably singing with 102 <laughs> temperature i actually like that. when we recorded with dan for the first time i believe it was like in 2001 or 2002 i was like okay. i was like man do you have any like rare 88 stuff and he was going through his garage and he just gave me that 10 inch and i always thought i was so cool because i didn't know oh, any, anyone awesome. else that owned it you know yeah that's awesome um but the uh this benefit show the, the money actually never went to going to start a record store they uh decided they were going to start a magazine and that magazine uh became punk planet okay cool that's awesome well, yeah so you guys got together in 93 like was it right off the bat in that rehearsal were they digging what you were doing or, or was it kind of like a longer process um i i after eric uh tried out i, I gave it a shot and about i think it was one or two days later um joe called and said hey man we, we discussed it we we want you to sing in our band and i said okay cool but I don't know what kind of plans you guys have, but I'm, I'm going to be a fireman. Like I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'll let some scrappy punk band get in my, I mean, like I, I, I had no delusions other than we were going to play our friends' basements or we were going to play, you know, parties or stuff like that. I didn't think, I didn't think anything beyond like a, you know, a show or whatever. Um, 
and then things kind of through through all sorts of craziness things just kind of picked up for us relatively quickly and before you knew it i was out of town when the chicago fire 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 department had their uh entrance exam and i completely <laughs> i completely ignored it because we were up in like you know toronto or something like that so how were those like first few years because i know like they're shortly shortly after becoming the band you guys had the relationship with fat and started putting out the seven yeah. inches and whatnot so how did that come about that was uh kind of a sneaky thing on joe's part we had we had recorded and released the first seven inch on our own uh it was self-titled but a lot of people called happy anniversary um and I don't know, I, I want to say it was a few, a few weeks or months after we uh, put out this first seven inch that we had money from shows and record sales or whatever. And we got a few hundred bucks scrapped together, scraped together. And we wanted to go to San Iguana to record because we really liked the way the, uh, the queer love songs, uh, albums sounded as well yeah. as, uh, Screeching Weasel. Uh, so we went there to record, uh, I want to say, well, it was the songs that ended up on, um, on go away and okay. a couple others. Uh, um, did you guys had like go and, away and like the teacher seven inch and, and wanted, you had a, a lot of seven inches that came out around that time, right? Yeah. So we recorded the, the songs that were on, ended up on the go away seven inch and then the teacher gets it seven inch. Uh, but at the time I think we were just looking for, you know, local representation. We were going to kind of see what locally we could, we could get a label going with. And, um, while we were doing that, Joe said, I think I want to send something to fat Mike, uh, cause fat records, had, you know, was relatively new at that time. Maybe yeah. they put out like the lag wagon and, um, uh, first propaganda record. Yeah. And, uh, they were like, well, don't do that. You're just going to get, you know, you're just going to get heartbroken. Like, was it just the, like the blind like address where you just send stuff to? Yeah. Yeah. It was a PO <laughs> box. It was like send away for, you know, records, t-shirts and shit. And Joe, you know, threw a letter together, put a, you know, wrapped it in a cassette and, and threw that to, uh, that records. And I don't know, it was more than, it was under a month later. Um, Joe got a call from fat Mike saying, uh, he liked what he heard. He wanted to put out a record. So, we uh, <laughs> we found out from Joe, and and we were just like, how how is this happening? Like, yeah. How 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 is this real life right now? Um, and then yeah, that was so the band as 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 it's known as Eighty Eight Fingers Louie started in April of ninety three. By August of ninety three, we were on Fat Records. That's insane. What was? What was like Fat Mike's thought process behind like let's do a seven inch? He didn't just want to start with a full length. He wanted to go straight to seven inch. He wanted to do seven inch because we were at the time the only band that he's heard that he hadn't seen live yet. Oh, okay, okay. But he liked the songs enough to say, "Look, let's put out the seven inch, and then I'll get you guys, you know, uh, uh, at least a Chicago show with us when we come through town." And so it was. Go away had come out, and maybe a. M Maybe a month or some change later, no effects came through. I think it was when the longest line um, uh, EP was out, and they came through with face to face. Okay, it's so we met them. Yeah, we met them at that show, um, and Mike was super, super stoked. He's like, he's like, you guys are probably the youngest band I've I've ever wanted to sign, um, and yeah, we'll we'll have to talk about like tours and stuff like that later on. And you know, at the time. 
everyone's just like, okay, well, what, whatever tour you want to send us on, <laughs> let us know, you know? Yeah. Uh, but ironically, we were kind of limited to what we could do at the time. Not so much because of me, but Joe was actually going to college at the time. And uh, I'm sure he had an agreement with his mom saying, you know, do your band, but don't fuck up your studies. Yeah. So, um, like, we, I remember right, right around that time we got an offer to do some shows with Seven Seconds, and we couldn't do it because Joe was still in school and, you know, a couple of, a couple of other things. But uh, Were you guys uh, working with a manager or a booking agent, or this was just strictly no. you guys and Fat? Yeah, no, just us and Fat. We had we had no, no, no management. We didn't, you know, to fast forward twenty some odd years. We never we didn't have a booking agent until relatively recently. Oh, like, okay. I, like I take that back. We had we had a guy that booked one one tour for us, but everything else we'd been we'd been doing ninety five percent of the time on our own. Okay. So after that all happened, I mean, what I what I tend to remember because like I I was fairly young back then, but I was into the Fat Record stuff because I always like no effects. Yeah. I remember hearing you guys and. It was weird to me because then, you know, later on, the first full length came out on Hopeless. Yes. So, like, was there some sort of, like, break with Fat or or what happened there? That was, uh, well, it was a break in the sense that uh, we we sent demos of Behind Bar songs to, to Fat. And he picked out of the 10 songs, I think, that we sent him. Um, he liked maybe four or five of them and said, okay come back to me with another five really good songs. And I, I know I was proud enough to, to say no, but, but honestly, and, and surprisingly, I think the the rest of the guys were feeling the same way. Like, no, we, we, uh, we put all, you know, all of our effort into writing songs. We're, we're yeah. not going to just throw them away. And, uh, was fat pain for the recording at that point. Um, or, or were those like demos? These were demos. These were, yeah, these were actually demos. So no, they, they, this was all, all, all uh, out of our own pocket okay. at the time. Um, and we already recorded the, you know, go, when, when go away. And the only thing, now that I think about it, uh, fat paid for the wanted seven inch because we, um, the go away stuff we'd already recorded. Um, and he wanted to put it out just based on, on that, but we'd already paid for that recording. Yeah. Uh, so Wanda was, yeah, Wanda was, I believe the first and besides a key teacher gets it. I think that was the uh, only other, um, uh, thing he, uh, that fat paid for. But anyway, um, we went back to Mike and we said, you know, we, we really like these songs. We, you want to, you know, give him another listen or whatever. And he's like, you know, he's like, I think you just need to switch a couple things around and to make them really good songs. And, uh, I was, I was certainly confident enough to say, well, I, I like these the way they are. If we, if we don't do another, if we don't do a full length with them, maybe we can do another seven inch with them. And yeah, the other guys are like, no, let's, we, we demoed these songs with the intention of putting out an album. That's what we want to do. So Mike goes, well, you know, I appreciate you guys, um, being, you know, sticking it, stick, sticking to your guns. He's like, um, no hard feelings. I've got a guy that would love to put out your record though. And he introduced us to Lewis and hopeless records. They wow. had, they had a friendship and, and, um, business relationship i'm sure at that time so we had the direct introduction to hopeless from fat after that and how, how was it with hopeless i mean like it seemed like they were like all ready to go like they loved you guys already or was it like a courtship oh yeah yeah they they had uh they had i'm trying to remember what he had heard oh i think i think they had heard you know one of the fat seven inches i'm sure that's what, what it was and because we hadn't toured 
we had toured out in California. You guys were on one of those first fat comps as well too, right? We were, yeah, we were on fat, yeah, fat music for fat people. Okay. That was, that was the thing that kind of broke us. That was, you know, they they definitely give us the most exposure. Um, but yeah, hopeless from the beginning. They're like, uh, we love these songs. Um, when do you want to have an album out? We said, well, we'd like to have it out by the end of 95. And he goes, cool. How does fall 95 work? We're like, yeah, okay. (laughs) So then immediately he, um, we, uh, booked a West coast tour that hopeless paid for. We started talking about ideas for, you know, a video, which the video turning into I've won. Um, and it was just, it was, it was kind of off to the races from, from the moment we, we said yes to work with hopeless and, that relationship stayed that way, um, you know, th- through the cycle for behind bars and then getting back together and doing the, um, back in the streets thing. It was the same thing. Like these songs are great. When you want to put it out, here's what we'll, when we'll put it out. Here's when we want you guys to go on tour. And it was great. It would, it would have been great sticking with fat too. You know, some, yeah. I won't buy and say that we, you know, over the years I hadn't thought about like, Oh, should we have maybe, listened and changed some stuff around but you know <laughs> li- li- life's what life is that's 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 the best way i can put it so you guys broke up in 1996 which i mean that's only <clears throat> three years after the band got going and right after yeah. you know the full length came out was that just kind of you know tensions in the band and just different personalities is that what caused that always all it was all me okay. i i <laughs> i i'll i i might have had had some uh, hesitation to talk about it a couple of years ago, but no, it was all me. I had, my son was born in August of 95. Um, you know, I was, I was going back out doing shows almost immediately after he was born. And gotta be by tough, the time, man. yeah, yeah. And by the time, you know, summer of, uh, 96 was rolling around, um, you know, I was in Europe for the better part of six weeks, um, or four weeks, I should say, well, maybe it was six weeks anyway, long fucking time. Uh, doing, doing this West coast tour with good riddance. I call home to check on, check on things. And, you know, my, um, my wife at the time was like, you got to get the fuck home. My, you know, the band's like, we got to keep fucking going. This is fucking great. And it was was literally just a tug of war between, okay, I can't be, it's, it's clear. I can't be both a, uh, a a father and a, and a punk rock singer right now. Something's got to give. And I grew up. I grew up with enough uh, Catholic guilt and, 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 and whatever morals I still hang on to, to, to know that, you know, this music thing was, was only supposed to be a, a goofy hobby anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go home and I'm going to do the dad thing. So really before I had a chance to, to talk to the guys about it, I had just kind of alienated myself. And uh, at one point we got up to leave to go to, you know, the next show and, they held a band meeting right outside of our tour van. They're like, we figured you're going to, you're ready to quit any minute now. So we're just going to save you the, uh, the grief and we're just going to agree to part ways. So we, we were only 10 days into a, I think a four or five week tour with good Rins, And we turned around, and went home after that. And it, and it was, a, it was a bummer. You know, I, yeah. the, only, the only one that was talking to me on that long ride home was Glenn. And ironically, Glenn was talking about, you know, his new band, the alkaline trio and how they were going <laughs> to, start doing shows and Take i'm like yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah good luck with your, your your uh yeah good luck with your pop punk band you know 
<laughs> That's funny. So I wanted to, I mean, you're talking about your son being born and whatnot. Now the song that was on back on the streets, joy boy, which I, yeah. I that's about your son and the whole, the whole thing. Uh, when, uh-huh. when my son was born, I played him that song like every day for like two months. <laughs> oh man. Cause that song always that's meant not- a lot to me anyway. But then when I became a dad, it was like, I, the lyrics meant a lot more to me, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That was, uh, that was an easy and incredibly difficult song for me to write just because it was, uh, yeah, so specific. Anything else I've really, anything else I've written with, with probably the exception of joy boy, everything has just been, you know, based on a, based on an idea yeah. or based on somebody else's situation. Um, but joy boy was me saying, Oh, this is, this is what it's like to be a dad. This is what's like to have a kid that was, you know, who was born at the end of August. He was supposed to be, born until the end of October. So we were talking six and a half weeks premature. We, you know, 30 days and still in the, uh, in the, uh, nail unit of the hospital, wondering if we were ever going to take him home and yeah. all that shit. But the irony is years later when we did the 2009, um, show Chicago show, uh, Liam was there with me and I'm like, Oh, we're going to do joy boy. He's like, cool. I'm not going to stage dive to that. It's not fast, fast enough. So he waited until <laughs> we, we, until we, played blink or whatever before he took it first to stage i'm like no this song was written about you he's like nope not fast enough give me a give me a faster song to, to <laughs> stage dive to so that's what he ended up doing well I, i've seen you like post stuff about liam your son on facebook and whatnot and about his yeah. musical tastes and everything does yeah is, yeah is it totally lost on him that his dad was in this like seminal punk band or does he does he kind of oh, think no. it's cool he uh well He's, he, he's, he's a ball buster now. Uh, but you know, when he was in probably middle school, here, here's, here's, here's how crazy things had gotten, you know, by the time he was in middle school, um, 88 was, was, was broken up and, and a long, you know, never, never in a million years was this band ever going to get back together. Yeah. But he's, he's in middle school. I'm going to a parent teacher conference. And I'm sitting down waiting, you know, waiting to hear, but my kid runs his mouth <laughs> too much and, you know, is distracting and all the, all the things you worry about hearing from your kid's teacher. Um, but before they even started this, this girl said, I just have to let you know, uh, uh I've been a huge 88 fingers Louie fan ever, ever since I can remember. I'm like, Oh, what? What? Okay. And she's like, yeah, my husband and I went, I think we saw your last show at the fireside and we were talk about that for, you know, I don't know, another five or 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, cool. Does this mean I'll get you a shirt if you give my kid, you know, straight A's. We started, you know, <laughs> joking around about shit like that. But, um, yeah. And then, and then, you know, he would, he would, he brought in joy boy to play at show and tell one time. Oh, that's know? cool, man. My dad wrote a song about me. Here it is. And, uh, you know, and then he, as he got a little bit older and I, I gained custody of him for a number of years. Um, after his mom moved to Minnesota, um, I never, you know, I wasn't going to be the kid, just like my dad was with me. I wasn't going to be a, um, the type of father that was going to like force feed, you know, music to, to you know, to, uh, to the kid. Like, yeah. you know, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play you stuff in the car. And if you like it, you want to ask questions. Cool. But you know, if you don't like it, no, no big deal. You know, your, your, your mom's side of family, like listens, listens to a lot of that, um, uh, you know, Garth Brooks and Toby Keith and all that shit. Like <laughs> you're not going to hear that in this car, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you don't have to like everything you hear, but he, per- he picked up on it and, you know, it was, I think it was a lot of the, you know, 
um, certainly minor threat, probably minor threat in, in operation. Ivy were the, were the first two big bands that he started really getting into. So I'm like, okay, well, if you like minor threat, here's that nasty, here's the bad brains. Oh, you like operation Ivy. Well, here's some specials. Here's some English B like, you know, That's and then, cool. yeah. And then, you know, he, uh, he like, you know, but a lot of kids do, they, they, kind of go out of the way to to listen to different stuff than their parents so he he fell down the um i should say fell down he got into uh dubstep and stuff like that and like the the 2000 you know 8 2009 whatever the heck it was he was or 2010 he was getting into stuff like that but he um you know and then he came around again in another circle and, and listens to like fiddler and, and that kind of stuff now but he um I stopped being cool to him because he, <laughs> he, uh, he, at one point he just started to tell me, he's like, you know what, dad, something's different about your voice now. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I took voice lessons. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm singing correctly. I'm not singing, you know, to, to, to blow my voice out. He's like, yeah, but you sound kind of whiny now. I liked it better <laughs> when you sound like you were angrier. So he wouldn't go to 88 shows. Like he went to the to the to 2009 uh, reunion show, yeah, and then he went to like one show after he turned 21. Uh, he went to a show, but that was so he can get drunk with his friends. You know, he didn't <laughs> he didn't give a shit. But uh, so he's saying that your your vocals, like in 90 and in, in 2009, were wine here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Basically, and then, uh, but you know, and and you know what? Kudos to him for 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 inheriting hurting the uh, the ball busting because that's definitely a, a Buckley trade. My brothers and I all that's all we do when we see each other is, is poke fun of each other. But um, as much as he didn't think I was cool anymore, every you know come come ride fest every year. Oh, he's asking hey, for Dad, tickets. I'm sure. What's going on with that VIP stuff? Huh? I'm like, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys broke up in '96. You got uh, back together in like '98. You did back on yeah. the streets. I just remember hearing that record and just that first sample from the Blues Brothers. We're getting the band back together. Like <laughs> it was so great for a guy like me who loved '88 that was getting back together. So I have a story kind of when you guys broke up the next time. But I want to hear how was it when you guys got back together in '98? Oh man, it was. It was uh, kind of crazy how 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 um, kind of big the 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 reunion kind of came. You know, I I I didn't think, and maybe because I wasn't really plugged into, um, I wasn't really playing music in between yeah. uh, in in between bands. You know, I'd goof around here and there with friends, but I wasn't playing shows in other bands or anything like that. So I I kind of stopped paying attention. But you know, hopeless, and that, hopeless had gotten fairly large by that point too. They had a lot. Uh, of, a hopeless lot of success. had definitely, yeah, yeah. They definitely had uh, had gotten bigger, and in um, I just, I just, I didn't realize that in that year and a half, how kind of bigger our stock got. And then, you know, we had already told promoters we were back together. I don't know that we had made an official announcement yet, but we were getting ready to be booked at a at a. Um, bigger show later in the um spring in 98 but by around march probably february or yeah not long after we actually we got back together before we started recording the new record um we were practicing and uh one of us got a page because it was the pager days one of us got a page from one of the guys at the fireside saying our headlining band's running late 
can you come down and uh, play a couple songs? And we're like, yeah, as long as, you know, as long as nobody knows that we're, 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 we're going there. So we all drive down together, but uh, one of us, and I'm looking back, I'm sure it was Dan, because Dan has all these, has cool ideas like this. We basically walked, we didn't walk into the fireside together. We walked in kind of separately. So we didn't want, we want, didn't want to arouse any, any sort of suspicion. So we all kind of, it would be normal for you guys just to be there anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you know, I did my thing. I went right to the bar and, and ordered, ordered a shot and a beer. And, um, and then we found out that the, the band in question that was running late was link 80. We're like, Oh, this is perfect. We'll be link 88 for link a couple 88, songs. Yep. Yeah. So we went up and, um, you know, nobody, I, nobody was really saying anything, but I, I, at what point we were literally on the stage picking up the band that we that played before we were picking up their, uh, their gear and we hear somebody go, Holy fucking shit. And I just turned around and I said, Hey everybody, we're link 88. And then we went and said, we went into pent up. I'm sure it was the first song and the entire fireside erupted. It was like, Oh shit. We, we made the right decision here. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. So it was from, 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 yeah, from from the, the once word got out that we were back together, it was every show was was it, it just felt like it was going to get. You didn't think it could get crazier, and it did. It just got you know bigger and crazier and and just more insane. So how how far apart were the recordings of Back on the Streets and then the split that you guys did with Kid Dynamite? Because I know that was kind of the last official thing you guys recorded until later on when you got back together again, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're both, yeah, both done at Sonic Iguana. Um, we recorded, let's see, we recorded Back on the Streets in March of 98. And then we recorded at the very beginning of 99, the uh, the songs with, uh, with for the Kid Dynamite split. Because we had also recorded, that same session, we also recorded the, the song from the... Um, Short songs for short people. Okay. 30, 30 second uh, fat records comp. So we did that song. We did that song. Another song that 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 I can't think of the name of the comp that that came out on. Um, we basically recorded five five or six songs in this in this uh, early ninety nine recording session. So yeah, ba- basically almost a full year apart between. Well, I remember Dan was telling me like the, the sessions for back on the streets that it was when he started actually becoming like an engineer and learning from mass. And he said, oh, yeah. he said there'd be like, you know, he'd be up at three or four in the morning doing his own producing of his guitar tracks. And yes. he like, it was a 24 hour a day thing. Right. Yeah. He really, you know, uh, Dan, Dan, Dan and I bust each other's balls a lot. Some, a lot of people think that, uh, they see it on stage and they go, oh, God, these guys still fucking hate each other. And it's not, it's not true at all. We just, we literally just love poking fun of each other. And when he started showing an active interest in, in producing and in engineering, I didn't take him seriously. I just yeah. went thinking like, Dan, just let mass do his job. Why do you got to control everything? You fucking weirdo. Let him. Mr. Precision. That's thing. why. <laughs> but, and I remember one of the times I said, I was, I it said something, you know, to poke fun of him. And mass is like, like it or not, man, he's picking, he's picking up some ideas and he's, he's, he's a quick learner. I'm like, Oh fuck. Okay. <laughs> well, if mass has already given him his seal of approval, then, then I guess I'll get a, yeah. let him do his thing. And then, yeah. But yeah, same thing. We were, we were staying above the studio. Uh, mass had a two or three bedroom thing up there and, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, 
couches, maybe one bedroom in, in a set of couches. Anyway, we were staying up there and yeah, sure enough, every once in a while you, you, you hear Dan tiptoe uh, across the room to get, go downstairs. And I'm thinking, is he pissed off? Is he, you know, going to go outside and, you know, pout? what the fuck's going on? And sure enough, you'd kind of, you know, I'd open up the door and I'd, I'd hear the sound of him, you know, turn the lights on in the control room. I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's literally man. sleeping. He's yeah. He's eating, sleeping and shitting this fucking, this recording right now. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, uh, you guys broke up after that, you know, like, uh, was it still in 98 or was it 99? 99. 99. Uh, uh, ironically, same time of the year, spring, summer of, uh, same time we broke up in 96. It was that relatively at the same time of year in uh, 99. Well, here's, here's my story about that. And I've told Dan this a million times (laughs) (laughs) and I think I even told Joe this the last time I saw Joe, but so I was in this band called chronic chaos. We recorded like two full lengths with Dan. We were on this little tiny, little tiny record label out of Florida. We weren't anything big, but we toured all the time. And, Mm -hmm. and we had this tour coming up that was starting at the five thirteen club in Atlanta. Oh, sure. And I found out that you guys were, I think you were maybe touring with AFI. I can't remember. And you guys were playing the day before our tour started. So we drove Mm -hmm. down early all through the night to get to Atlanta. We, (laughs) we, we hang out in Atlanta all day. We go to the show. And as soon as we walk in, they're like, Oh, 88's not here. They broke up. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, as fucked up and, 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 and as shitty as that, all that was, guy that booked that tour was a fucking prick because we told him you know we didn't start we didn't hadn't even started that tour we were driving to our first show when we all when things kind of came to a head but any good promoter would have immediately called up the uh um uh, the booking agent would have immediately called up the promoters in each town saying hey you still got afi but uh 88 dropped off we found out later that this guy was waiting until 24 hours before we were supposed to play or 48 hours before we were supposed to play to let them know, right? To let them know. Yeah. Was Fury yeah. 66 on that too? Uh, they're on some shows. I can't remember how many, but yeah, they were supposed to be on, on, on a good chunk of that tour. Well, I, I swear that like the first time I actually saw you guys and this was like, maybe before the first time you broke up, I can't remember, but at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, at this little record store called Stevie Ray's House of Wax. And I think you guys, oh, yeah. I think you yeah, guys yeah. were with Fury 66 then, or maybe it was just you guys solo with locals. I can't remember, but. Well, if it was Fury 66, we, we didn't meet those guys until uh, 98. So okay, it so it, it might have been a different time, a different show, but I remember seeing you guys, and that's when I first, I had a couple of the seven inches already, but I think that's when I bought behind bars, and I, I'm pretty sure I bought it off of one of you guys. <laughs> oh, no kidding. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, when I, the funny thing was I was going through a bunch of stuff the other day, all these like keepsakes that I have, and my first checking account when I was in college, I went to that record store and I bought back on the streets with a check and I have the return like check stuff. No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, 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 and in, in the memo, I put back on the streets, 88 fingers Louie. Cause I always kept track of what I bought with my checks. <laughs> oh my God. Hopefully you guys got a little bit of that money. Probably not, but <laughs> <laughs> we did, you know, the, 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 the royalties as they were structured back then, uh, you know, they certainly weren't, you know, quit our job worthy. Uh, but you know, we, we could afford a, the occasional sofa or love seat or whatever. Like it, it, <laughs> they, it, it they okay. kept you guys in love seats and sofas for years after that, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
So now we're at the point in my timeline. I have this this nice little piece of paper with notes because I like to I like to hit everything. But sure. at this part in the timeline, I'm very interested. In 2000, you were you know you were in this band. The story so far, you guys put out when Fortune Smiles on Hopeless this EP. Uh-huh. That EP for me, I mean, I know I've heard in other interviews with you and different people that maybe you weren't that stoked on the production quality, but th- yeah. those songs were wonderful, man. Can you tell me about how that came together? Uh, well, that uh, to talk about the story so far, I, I have to bring up the uh, the new one. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I wasn't even going to go there. You said it. Well, I, w- I want to go there yeah, because yeah. when I when I first heard about them, I was like, oh, my God, Dennis is putting out something else. And then I went and I heard it in uh, some pop punk <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, no. What, what basically story so far, our story so far happened uh, kind of overlapping with uh, with 88. And this is. This is kind of a, 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 a shitty thing to admit. I don't think I talked about this on uh, on Mike's podcast, but the last tour, the tour that the AFI tour, I knew was going to be my last. Yeah. I knew at some point I was going to tell those guys, if, if it's not the, my last tour, you guys have to at least give me six months because I'm 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 over touring. So uh, before I left, uh, you know, I was living pretty close to the fireside at the time, and I uh, ran into Jeff. Dean, who I knew from him coming to see us in Vegas, and uh, he was talking about how he's he moved to Chicago, and some other uh, Detroit friends of his um, were here as well, and they were uh, looking to start a band. And he gave me their uh, he gave me a, uh, a tape, you know, just the music, and I think probably with the idea that I was going to like listen to it and, and, and maybe see about you know any other singer buddies that would be interested in this. And, uh, I got the tape, uh, I listened to it and then I ended up calling him. If it wasn't the morning I left for that tour, it was the night before or yeah, something really close. And I basically said, listen, dude, I really like this. I'm going to quit 88 after this tour. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, if, if, if you're down, I, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to pick this up when, when I get back from tour, you know, in five weeks, whatever the hell it was going to be. He's like, yeah, yeah all right, cool. And then <laughs> I saw him three days later. Cause we didn't, we only drove 12 <laughs> hours and then split up. So then yeah, 30, 30 within the first months after being back home, uh, I already had the story so far. We were already writing and working on the songs that became, that became that EP. And, in my head, it was it was it's it's total jealous bullshit. But it was uh, I wanted to put out. I knew I had already heard that Dan and Joe wanted to keep '88 going with a different singer. And I'm like, yeah. no matter what happens, I'm going to be the guy in '88 that puts out a, some new music first. It was <laughs> a competition, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so um, did your stuff with Hopeless? I mean, I know that EP came out on Hopeless. Did it just carry yeah. over, or you just got a hold of Lewis? Um, no, I got a hold of Lewis, and you know he. Obviously, he's like, dude, you're killing me. This is <laughs> you quit the pan for the second time in a row, and you still want me to put on another uh, a record. I'm like, hey, I'm just you know, it's 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 not your typical hopeless fare. So yeah, um, but but it'd be really cool. And we talked about it, and basically we agreed to, and I don't know the proper terms for this, but it was basically we're going to help distribute this thing. Okay, we're not the recording, the artwork, all that you guys have to pay for yourselves but we'll help distribute it. So it was, you know, some sort of distribution agreement. 
Um, but what, what, what killed me with that was, uh, whatever, whatever time of 99 that came out, he only promoted that for like three months and then he stopped promoting it altogether. Dude, I worked at a record store, Karma Records in Marion, Indiana, when that came out. And I, yeah. I remember seeing it and all, cause I did all the ordering. I had like Chris's punk section and I had all this different stuff. Nice. <laughs> and I, I remember like, I saw it. I knew it was coming out through the little magazine that we got. I ordered, yeah. I ordered like 10 or 15 copies. I, I had posters mm-hmm. from hopeless, but then the next month's issue of our little distributor thing, it was gone. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. It man. was, it was, and it was, it, it was a bummer and it kind of soured me on, on hopeless for, uh, a number of years and uh fast forward to i guess what six six years ago now when when we started hearing about the other story so far um we had some somebody in the band confirmed that we have we trademarked the name yeah like we actually went and got it official so there's been a couple of attempts to reach out to their management about hey you know let's let, let's talk about this you guys don't own the name um but we've just we've we've been blown off and it's just got to the point where I'm like, there's no point in fighting over a, you know, a, a band that was around for a, <laughs> a, a five song EP and, you know, and some change. Um, has their management said anything back to you at all? No. Well, well, I take that back. Uh, somebody in the management wrote one of us, it wasn't me, one of us and said something to the, uh, effect of you don't have a leg to stand on here. Yeah this band's significantly more popular, which is a hundred percent correct, you know? Um, but we, uh, I don't know. Every once in a while, someone's got a, <laughs> every once in a while, someone gets a, uh, a, a fire under their ass and they're like, you know what? We should try this again. I'm like, it's going to cost us more legal fees to say, yeah. Oh, we're the story so far. And then they have to change their name to like, you know, the story too far or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I don't know what the fuck they I do. I tell you what, I'm going to make it my goal. I'm going to try to get one of them on the show and I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to question them about it, man. Cause I am team, I'm team, uh, Chicago is what I am. Oh shit. All right. All right. <laughs> you can, co- you can co-host with me when we get them on there. Oh, that'd be good. Hey, we got a special, <laughs> special guest host. You motherfuckers. It's a t- total trap, man. We're just going to get them on yeah. the show. So, uh, that, that album, I mean, how did it sell for you guys? I mean, was it. I mean, it just kind of went away. I was hoping there would be something else after that, but I, I know you guys played shows and whatnot, but what was the demise yeah. of that band? Um, so from 99 to 2001, we did the EP and then we recorded songs that, Oh, I remember what it was. We, we did the EP, um, 2000, we were, uh, actively playing out, playing shows here and there. Um, but again, the story so far to me was going to be a much more low key band. I didn't think yeah. anybody else in the band really wanted to go on tour. So when we did shows, it was, it was Midwest only. Um, but then we ended up doing crazy fest in 2001 in Louisville. And to gear up for that, we recorded an e- basically an EP, a demo EP to hand out to, um, labels that were, de- were, were there. We had, um, actually used that same demo, uh, when we did CMJ, um, later on that year as well. And, uh, basically we got back from some, some show. If it wasn't, maybe CMJ was before crazy fast. I can't remember the timeline now, but anyway, uh, near the end of 2001, um, 
yeah, near the end of 2001, we got an offer to do the West coast with the suicide machines. Wow. Um, which everyone's like, yeah, dude, fucking stoke. Let's go. And I said, I, I have a full-time office job. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting another job to go on tour. Yeah. I can't, I can't do it. And they're like, come on, dude, this is the suicide machines or, you know, we're already, uh, through, through the magic of Detroit, those guys were already real, real, um, tight with, with Jay and those guys, uh, anyway. And it was like, no man, let's, let's go. They have a new, new record out. They're going to tour behind that. Let's, let's fucking go. And I'm like, I, guys, I really can't do it. Like I have for the first time in a long time, I, I wasn't working some temp job that I was only, you know, going to work for 60 days and have to find another job. Like I had a legit job. I couldn't, I had no vacation time. So they're like, well, we're going to, we're going to still do it. And I said, well, if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it with a different singer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I admit probably some ego were, was involved and I got off the phone. I'm like, there's no fucking way they're going to do this. They can't do, they can't replace me, you know? <laughs> and they did, they did. And you know what? Uh, I'm happy they did because why, why not, why not take this opportunity to, to, yeah. to, uh, to, to, to go out and play some shows with the suicide machines. Like I should have quit a job and done that. You know, I could have, I probably could have found something back then, but I just, you know, when I got back, but, it, it's tough. So it's tough from, when you're like, you know, sort of established and you've had a job for a while and, you know, you have a, a child. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's kind of, I mean, I'm in that spot right now. I get offers all the time to go on the road with different bands. And I'm like, man, yeah. I teach guitar for a living. I have 60 students a week. And if I left, yeah. I might be able to get them back, but maybe not. So it's like, yeah, you know, there's no guarantee. Yeah. It's a crapshoot right. when you're an adult and you have responsibilities. As much as the yeah. music is wonderful, it's so hard to do. Yeah. You know, it, it, and it, I was just so burnt out. I just didn't know, you know, in my mid twenties, I didn't know. Um, I'm still terrible about time management. Like, don't get me wrong. But even back then I, I just, the, the touring took so much out of me. I know, I know pe- people that aren't in bands or, or, or don't go on tour. They think, Oh my God, you're, you know, what kind of, what kind of person has the right to bitch about being on tour too yeah. much? Well, when you've got family and you've got financial responsibilities at home and you know, a new relationship or whatever, like, yeah, it's fucking, it's, it's, it's tough to be away. Like I, the trappings that, you know, the trap, I, I love the trappings of, of home. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I love my own bed. I love, you know, I love being at home. I, 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 I've over the years I find, I've, you know, definitely found a, uh, a good way to balance that now. You know, um, I feel like you guys have, have struck a pretty good balance now with the touring and whatnot yeah. that you're doing because it it seems like a lot of the stuff you're flying to a certain area, you're uh-huh. you're hitting like a regional area and then you're flying home and it's never more than a couple weeks. Right, right, right. Yeah, and that's that's and again that's that's fortunate on our part because uh, in 2019. Um, people are, are interested enough to enough to in us to say, okay, what's it going to take to get you guys out there? Yeah. Like, okay, pay for our flights, put us up and, you know, you know, give us a, give us, you know, a small, a small stipend based on that. So, um, yeah, we've been fortunate since we've, we've, we've been active as a band now for, what are we going on year five, which is the longest stretch the band's been. Uh, That's, I remember talking to Dan about that when he was yeah. on the show. I'm like, you guys have been a band now longer than any other era of the band. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and you know what? 
maturity, it definitely has something to do with it. But but I, but more than that, it's everybody's everybody's schedules can 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 line up when they can line up. And it no seems one, like there's less pressure as well because you guys all right, ha- right. all have your own things going on. Plus, you're doing right. a band, so it's fun and it's not like this big looming thing over your head, right? Right, right. Um, we did we did Europe in 2017, and we did. We did just shot just over two weeks. I think we played fifteen shows, fifteen or sixteen shows. And I remember at like show fourteen, I'm like, two more shows, and then no one's going to kill each other, and we're going to go home. Yeah. And I kind of said that out loud at the airport going home, like, guys, we have just did the perfect amount of shows. And Dan, if you're listening to this, buddy, <laughs> I love you, but. Dan still is, is, Hey, we could just still gone out for like another two weeks. <laughs> Somebody would have died. Yeah. If we did another yeah. two weeks, I don't, I, you know, two, two weeks in one, in one clip is, is, is perfect for me. Oh yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah. tell me, tell me about the newest record. I know it's been out now for about a year. Uh, it's on bird attack records. Yeah. I, I've got to say the production is stellar. I know you guys did it at Dan's studio, the bomb shelter. How, uh-huh. how, how was the writing for that? I mean, the songs are so good. Like they're modern. They're up to date with what's coming out now, but it still harkens back to that old 88 sound. I love it, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That, uh, a lot of that credit has to go to, to, to Dan and, and, and Nat, our, our latest and greatest bass player. Um, they, they had uh, some, some riffs stored for, uh, from their older band. Um, I think Dan said he had hung on to some riffs, um, going back to like his break the silence days yeah. and um even john our, our drummer uh had had some ideas and i think two two songs i think he might have had 75 to 80 percent already done before we worked on them um so it was, it was an interesting uh, uh mixture of old ideas and completely brand new ideas like stuff we were writing completely um from scratch uh in rehearsals that those I, I love all the songs that we put on the record don't get me wrong but my favorite moments are the ones that we captured right right then and there like if i if i had my way and we've already started talking about a new record if i had my way i would say yeah those same old ideas from from years ago leave leave those in the past let's go 100 um from scratch and go but that's i don't know how realistic that is but that <laughs> that being said um honestly there was no the the only pressure i felt was the what i put on myself and that was you know last minute editing of lyrics and if i'm honest there's probably i could think of one song on the album that i probably wrote finished writing lyrics uh the night before i went to the studio how is the vibe there at the bomb shelter like i said i've been there many times my band recorded yeah. there back in the day i know it's still the same exact place dan's house uh, mm-hmm. is it, is it relaxed in there? I mean, you guys probably, since it is his studio, you didn't have like budget restraints or anything, right? No, 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 no budget restraints. No, no time constraints. Um, <laughs> for the first time that I could think of, well, maybe I did this with at Sonic Iguana, but I, I wasn't there for, uh, tracking the music. I was just like, all right, keep me posted on, 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 on progress. And then when you're ready for me to come in, uh, Dan, let's figure out uh you know the the singing schedule and i remember as we started picking out dates for that then i started kind of freaking out like 
okay, what if my voice isn't as strong as it used to be? What if Dan and I get in a fucking fight in the studio? Because we both we're both stubborn pieces of shit, you know? Like yeah, yeah. he's set in his ways, I'm set in my ways. And I I remember uh I took the train out to Dan's and just just walking, you know, the ten minutes from the train stop to to his front door and i'm like fuck well i gotta give it a shot that's all i can do i gotta give it a shot and we did two two, no three three songs a day in uh at four different um four different time slots and uh or four different days and i would say by the time i started the second song uh I, i would i would laugh as i started singing so dan would stop it and be like is everything okay i'm like I can't believe how easy this is. And he's like, you don't know how happy I am to hear you say that. I'm like, dude, I don't know if it, if it was just me. He goes, no, I was shitting a brick thinking this wasn't going to work, man. I, I, he's like, I was, I was convinced that you were going to be too much of a prick and you weren't going to be open to suggestions. And, and it just, it was, I, I don't want to say I'll never record in another studio again. Yeah. Cause I obviously I would, I would love to idea of checking out other places, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, Dan, Dan truly, truly, uh, shines on this, on this, on this album. Making it with him was, was the, the, an actual piece of cake, like a, a, a physical piece of cake. That's what it was like. Yeah. And I got to say your, your vocals, I know it can be scary. Like I've never been much of a singer. I always do backups for the bands that I've been in, but I know mm-hmm. it probably was scary since you hadn't really recorded anything new for so long, but man, yeah. it's strong as hell on there, man. It's great. And Thank the, you. And the level Thank of the vocal in the mix is way better than anything you guys had ever put. Oh on. yes. You are a 100% correct there. And that was, <laughs> if I was, cause I, I didn't know shit about, uh, mixing or anything like that before. I still barely have an idea, but, I can't listen to any of the old, the only other old 88 stuff I can still listen to is the kid dynamite split because everything yeah. else production on that was there. amazing as well. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. a little bit, a step up from back on the streets. I just remember like, you know, behind bars back on the streets, all that stuff. I love it. And the drums are heavy. The guitars are heavy. There's a lot of bass, but mm-hmm. it just seemed like your vocals shared a frequency with something. And, and I don't know if like the level needed to be pushed up or if they just needed EQ different, but it always seemed like they would just get lost once in a while. Yeah, you're right. And the cool thing about, about that now is Dan, uh, with hopelessness, uh, blessing. We, um, Oh yeah. You guys remixed the stuff, didn't we? We, re- we, re- we remixed and remastered back on the streets and behind bars. And, uh, he, he did a great job. Um, my vocals are nice and nice and, and, and present in the mix now. And there's, there's there's guitar stuff that he did back in the day that I don't think anybody could pick up on until now. And it's, 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 it's great. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, there's one more thing that I want to ask you about and then I'll, I'll yeah. let you get ready for your, for your movie. But, uh, so when you guys were, I asked Dan about this cause it, it kind of freaked me out uh, last huh. year or a year and a half ago, whenever it was, you guys were in Hawaii and every, oh, everybody got the text message that there was incoming nuclear weapons or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember I had talked to Dan maybe a day before that. And he was telling me about how, you know, we're going to Hawaii. And I woke up that morning and then I saw like you posted something on Facebook. He posted something. What was that uh-huh. like? Cause it was scary for me living in the middle of the country. You were actually in the area that they were talking about. How was that? <laughs> Dude, it was, it was, it was insane. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this, uh, 
I was the last person to get the notice. And the only reason why I wouldn't have thought to look at my phone, except I was the last person to get ready. I, I, I was in the shower. There was a rap on the door from Dan saying, uh, dude, you need to get out of the shower now and get your things and we got to go. I'm like, fuck, is our ride to the airport already here? He goes, no, there's, uh, we all got alerts on our phone. Uh, there's an incoming missile attack. It's not a drill. And I'm like, uh, okay. He goes, we're going downstairs. I think we're going to go to the beach. I'm like, well, wait for me. I'm like, no, just meet us down there. So they all fucking bail. I get out of the shower. I see this alert on my phone. I'm getting ready, getting ready like I normally do. I'm actually going back into the bathroom to, to, uh, to comb my hair. And I'm like, wait, I'm going to get, I'm going to get fucking <laughs> attacked any minute now. Who gives a shit what my hair looks Make like? Make sure your hair's nice for when the, bomb, yeah, right, right, the, the missile right, goes yeah. off. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to die. look like a fucking idiot, but, uh, so, so I go downstairs, Dan and John are already, if they're not at the beach by this point, they're, they're, they're close to it. But Nat's downstairs and he's talking to his, uh, then fiance now wife. And, uh, I'm, uh, I'm trying to call out to anybody, my girlfriend, my kid, my parents, I couldn't get through and, you know, go figure everyone of their moms either trying to call out or call in to check on loved ones. Yeah. And when I realized I couldn't, um, I couldn't get a hold of anybody. I just, uh, just basically opened up my phone book in my phone and I just texted everybody I could think of, like, you know, here, here's where we're at. And at that point I wasn't, I wasn't even scared. I was just numb. Like, okay, I, this is, if this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And, uh, my girlfriend was able to get through. I was talking to her for a few minutes <clears throat> and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm in Hawaii. If I'm going to go, I'm, I'm glad I'm here and, and not, in, you know, some shithole part of Chicago. Yeah. And she's like, you're so calm about this. I'm like, I, I don't feel anything. I mean, like, there, there's I get, nothing that you can do. I think it almost yeah. makes you calm, right? Right, right, right. So I, yeah, I literally had, I didn't know what to think. I really didn't know what to say. I said, I'll, I'll be back to you with an update as soon as I can. I love you. And, and, and then that was it. And then it was, no, I'm sorry. I was on the phone with her when, uh, a truck pulled up and said, good news. There was a mistake. Um, there's no, no, um, no missile cover. The, the world's not going to end. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And I remember like, you know, I'm on the phone with, 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 with Debbie and, she, and, and I say, everything's fine. It was, you know, and she's starting to see stuff pop up on the news too. And so then we get to the airport and that's when it all kind of hit us. Like, that's when I started shaking, like sitting down, waiting to get on that flight to Kauai. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> this almost fucking happened. <laughs> and then we turn it into we could do whatever we want now. We survived the missile attack. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I want to, if I want to order that third Jack and Coke on the plane, I'm going to because I survived the missile attack. You know. <laughs> See, if you if you would have gotten that 88 tattoo back in the day in Belgium, that might have been a real attack, man. Oh, see, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> That's the meta guys. moment. I brought it all the way back from the beginning of the interview. <laughs> Perfect. Well, hey, man, I've, I've had a blast speaking with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, what's coming up in the future for you or for the band? Like anything coming up soon? Uh, yeah, we're going to um, we are going to do stuff. There's stuff in the pipe. We're doing a uh, couple of Midwest shows um, coming up. We're going to play in Dayton 
Clinton and in uh, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm going to have um, to come up to the Fort Wayne show. That's only like an hour and a half for me, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let us know, man. Yeah, yeah we're doing that. We're doing that. Um, I would think that I would get into every show for free since I have a huge-ass tattoo of, of the album yes, cover. Yes, yes. <laughs> for, for the low, low price of $8.88. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll totally yeah. pay that, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, we're doing yeah, Ohio and Indiana. And then um, June, we got a, a Midwest Punk Fest, and then we're heading up to um, Quebec for a, a festival up there. A couple, couple Quebec area festivals. Uh, in the summer and fall. Um, and then I think at some point we, uh, we're going to have to agree to <laughs> stop doing shows in, in uh, work on a new record. Yeah. Write a new record. That's what I want, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 If it's, if it was up to me, we'd have a, a new record out that the first, f- first few months of 99 or of 99, Jesus of uh, <laughs> 20 of 2020. So 2020. we'll see. Cool. Keep, keep that up. So, uh, what are the socials, uh, for the band for you? So people can check you out online. Oh, uh, we are at friendster.com. <laughs> you guys, you guys have an ICQ number. Yep. 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 Uh, well, facebook.com slash 88 fingers. Louie. We're on Instagram. Uh, I think their Instagram handle is 88 underscore fingers underscore Louie. Okay. Um, Twitter is slash 88 fingers. Louie. Um, we actually have a website that is a sore need of updating, but that's uh, 88fingerslouis.net. That links you directly to the Bandcamp page where you can get T-shirts and vinyl and stuff like that. Cool, man. Well, hey, just thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been my pleasure to have you, and uh, I'd love to have you back in the future when you guys put out that next record, okay? Hell yeah. Count me in, man. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no problem, man. I will talk to you in the future, and uh, have a great day. Enjoy your movie, and watch Game of Thrones. You got to get into it. All right, man. Okay, I'll talk to you later, Dennis. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. So there it was, my conversation with Mr. Dennis Buckley from 88 Fingers Louie. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I love 88 so much. And uh, yes, I have an 88 Fingers Louie tattoo. Maybe I will post a picture so you guys can see it. Joe from 88 Fingers Louie, who is actually the bass player in Rise Against, uh, when I, the last, when I first got that tattoo, I showed it to him and he's like, Oh dude, you get into every show for free, even rise against shows. But that's not always been the case, but uh shout out to all the guys in 88 fingers, Louie. I uh, love you guys. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for a new record. I know it's only been a year since the last record, but I can't wait for a new record. So I hope you guys are busy writing stuff because I I'm stoked to hear some new stuff, but, uh, I'm going to get out of here. Next week on the show, I get to sit down with Mr. Vinny Fiorello from Less Than Jake. We had a wonderful discussion, and uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Vinny's a really cool guy. He's got a lot of cool stuff going on. He's no longer touring with Less Than Jake, but he is a an active member, producing, writing, you know, doing stuff in the studio. But we had a really good time talking, and you guys are going to hear that next week. So I hope you, I hope that you come back week in and week out, because you guys make this podcast possible. Thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch for any reason at all, the easiest way is tototpodcast at gmail.com. I respond to everything. I listen to 
all the voicemails you leave me on the hotline. And the number for that is 765-372-8818. So uh, leave me a voicemail, shoot me an email, send me some snail mail. If you hit me up, I will give you my address. Send me some snail mail. Why not? <laughs> I'm not going to give my address out on the this podcast, but I will give you my address if you would like to send me some snail mail. So we've got all the mails covered, the email, the snail mail, and the voicemail. But uh, I'm going to get out of here, but not before I play some awesome tracks from 88 Fingers Louie, one of my favorite bands of my entire life. I love these guys so much. Uh, I am going to play Joy Boy, the song that we actually talked about on the podcast where uh, Dennis wrote this for his son after his son was born. Uh, it was on Back on the Streets, their last record with Hopeless uh, in 1999 is when it came out. It's a wonderful record, so you guys need to go check out Back on the Streets. I'm going to play Joy Boy, like I said, and then after Joy Boy, the leadoff track on their most recent record, Thank You for Being a Friend. The song is called Meds. It is a classic 88 song. You guys are going to love it. Uh, Thank You for Being a Friend came out in 2017 on Bird Attack Records. You guys can get that. Just Google 88 Fingers Louie, Bandcamp, Bird Attack Records, whatever. Go get it. It's on iTunes. It's everywhere else. And I guess if you're going to buy stuff on iTunes, you should do it soon because I heard that iTunes is going away. I'm sure you guys have seen that too. So uh, you can also stream it anywhere you want. Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you kids are doing out there these days. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so we're going to listen to Joy Boy from Back on the Streets and then Meds from Thank You for Being a Friend. And mind you, there is 18 years between these songs. That's insane. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm out of here. I will see you next week. I love you. You're the best podcast listeners in the world. And uh, we'll see you next week. Chris, out. Sit down and take a listen. Story that's my confession of how you came into my life. What's the story if I was ready? I didn't think you were here already. Six weeks before the
Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!